Father in heaven, we rejoice in your word. We thank you, Lord God, that you carry us through, through and through. Thank you that you promise you'll always be with us. Thank you that you send us the Holy Spirit. And thank you that you left us shalom, the peace of Jesus Christ to be with us. And we rejoice in these things. We rejoice in the Holy Spirit. And we thank you, Lord God, that we're called by your name, Lord. Christians, we give you praise and thanksgiving for the reading of your word today, July 30th. Second Chronicles 26 to 28:27. All the people of Judah had crowned Amasiah's 16-year-old son Uzziah as king in place of his father. <clears throat> After his father's death, Uzziah rebuilt the town of Elah and restored it to Judah. Uzziah was 16 years old. When he became king and he reigned in Jerusalem 52 years. His mother was Jecolia from Jerusalem. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight, just as his father Messiah had done. Uzziah sought God during the days of Zechariah, who taught him to fear God. And as long as the king sought guidance from the Lord, God gave him success. Amen. Uzziah sought God during the days of Zechariah, who taught him to fear God. And as long as the king sought guidance from the Lord, God gave him success. Uzziah declared war on the Philistine and broke down the walls of God, Japne, and Ashdod. And he built new towns in the Ashdod area and in other parts of Philistia. God helped him in his wars against the Philistines, his battles with the Arabs of Gur, and his wars with the Mayunites. The Mayunites paid annual tribute to him, and his fame spread over even to Egypt, for he had become very powerful. Uzziah built fortified towers in Jerusalem at the corner gate, at the valley gate, and at the angle in the wall. He also constructed forts in the wilderness and dug many water cisterns because he kept great herds of livestock in the foothills of Judah and on the plains. He was also a man who loved the soil. He had many workers who cared for his farms and vineyards, both on the hillsides and in the fertile valleys. A man who loved the soil. Uzziah had an army of well-trained warriors reached to march into battle, unit by unit. This army had been mustered and organized by Jael, the secretary of the army, and his assistant, Maseiah. They were under the direction of Hananiah, one of the king's officials. These regiments of mighty warriors were commanded by 2,600 clan leaders. The army consisted of 307,500 men, all elite troops. They were prepared to assist the king against any enemy. Husaya provided the entire army with shields, spears, helmets, coats of mail, bows, and sling stones. And he built structures on the walls of Jerusalem designed by experts to protect those who shot arrows and hurled large stones. From the towers and the corners of the wall, his fame spread far and wide. For the Lord gave him marvelous help, and he became very powerful. For the Lord gave him marvelous help, and he became very powerful. But when he had become powerful, he also became proud, which led to his downfall. He sinned against the Lord his God by entering the sanctuary of the Lord's temple and personally burning incense on the incense altar. Azariah, the high priest, went in after him with 80 other priests of the Lord, all brave men. They confronted King Uzziah and said, It is not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord. That is the work of the priests alone, the descendants of Aaron who are set apart for this work. Get out of the sanctuary, for you have sinned. The Lord God will not honor you for this. Uzziah was holding an incense burner, became furious, 
But as he was standing there raging at the priest before the incense altar in the Lord's temple, leprosy suddenly broke out on his forehead. When Azariah, the high priest, and all the other priests saw the leprosy, they rushed him out, and the king himself was eager to get out because the Lord had struck him. So King Uzziah had leprosy until the day he died. He lived in isolation in a separate house, for he was excluded from the temple of the Lord. His son, Jotham, was put in charge of the royal palace, and he governed the people of the land. The rest of the events of Uzziah's reign from beginning to end was recorded by the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos. When Uzziah died, he was buried with his ancestors. His grave was in a nearby burial field belonging to the kings, for the people said he had leprosy, and his son Jotham became the next king. Jotham was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 16 years. His mother was Jerusha, the daughter of Zadok. Jotham did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight. He did everything his father Uzziah had done, except that Jotham did not sin by entering the temple of the Lord. But the people continue in their correct ways, corrupt ways. But the people continue in their corrupt ways. Jotham rebuilt the upper gate of the temple of the Lord. He also did extensive rebuilding on the walls of the hills of Obel. He built towns in the country of Judah and constructed fortresses and towers in the wooden areas. Jotham went to war against the Ammonites and conquered them. Over the next three years, he received from them an annual tribute of 7,500 pounds of silver, 50,000 bushels of wheat, and 50,000 bushels of barley. King Jotham became powerful because he was careful to live in obedience to the Lord his God. The rest of the events of Jotham's reign, including all his wars and other activities, are recorded in the book of King of Uzziah, in the book of the King of Israel and Judah. He was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 16 years. When Jotham died, he was buried in the city of David, and his son Ahaz became the next king. Ahaz was 20 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 16 years. He did not do what was pleasing in the sight of the Lord, as his ancestor David had done. Instead, he followed the example of the kings of Israel. He cast metal images for the worship of Baal, he offered sacrifices in the valley of Ben-Hinnom, even sacrificing his own sons in the fire. In this way, he followed the detestable practice of the pagan nations the Lord had driven from the land ahead of the Israelites. He offered sacrifice and burnt incense at the pagan shrines and on the hills and under every green tree. Because of all this, the Lord his God allowed the king of Aram to defeat Ahaz and to exile a large number of people to Damascus. The armies of the king of Israel also defeated Ahaz and inflicted many casualties on his army. In a single day, Pekah, son of Remaliah, Israel king, killed 120,000 of Judah's troops. All of them experienced warriors because they had abandoned the Lord, the God of their ancestors, then Sikri, a warrior from Ephraim, killed Masaiah, the king's son. Azrikam, the king's palace commander, and Elkanah, the king's second-in-command. The armies of Israel captured 200,000 women and children from Judah and seized tremendous amounts of plunder, which they took back to Samaria. But a prophet of the Lord named Oded was there in Samaria when the army of Israel returned home. He went out to meet them and said, The Lord, the God of your ancestors, was angry with Judah and let you defeat them. The Lord was angry with Judah and let you defeat them. You have gone too far, killing them without mercy, and all of heaven is disturbed. And now you are planning to make slaves of these people from Judah and Jerusalem. What about your own sins against the Lord your God? Listen to me and return these prisoners you have taken, for they are your own relatives. 
Watch out because now the Lord's fierce anger has been turned against you. Some of the leaders of Israel, Azariah, son of Jehohanan, Berechiah, son of Meshilamot, Jehizkiah, son of Shalom, and Amasa, son of Hadlialai, agree with this and confronted the men turning from battle. You must not bring the prisoners here, they declare. We cannot afford to add to our sins and guilt. Our guilt is already great, and the Lord's fierce anger is already turned against Israel. So the warriors released the prisoners and handed over the plunder in the sight of the leaders and all the people. Then the four men just mentioned by name came forward and distributed clothes from the plunder to the prisoners who were naked. They provided clothing and sandals to wear, gave them enough food and drink, and dressed their wounds with olive oil. They put those who were weak on donkeys and took all the prisoners back to their own people in Jericho, the city of Palm. Then they returned to Samaria. Would you like to read this? At the king, right in the middle. At the king. At the, at the time, King Ahaz of Judah asked the king of Assyria for help. The armies of Edom had again invaded Judah and had and taken captives and taken captives. And the Philistines had raided towns located in the foothills of Judah and in the Negev of Judah. They had already captured and occupied Beth Shemesh, Beth Shemesh, Ajilan, Gedaroth, Sako with its villages, Timnah with its villages, and Gizmo with its villages. The Lord was humbling Judah because of the king Ahaz of Judah, for he had not for he had encouraged his people to sin and had been utterly unfaithful to the Lord. So when King Tiglath-Pileser of Assyria arrived, he attacked Ahaz instead of helping him. Ahaz took valuable items from the Lord's temple, the royal palace, and from the homes of his officials and gave them to the king of Assyria as tribute. But this did not help him even during this time of trouble. King Ahaz continued to reject the Lord. He offered sacrifices to the gods of Damascus who had defeated him. For he said, Since these gods helped the kings of Aram, they will help me too. If I sacrifice to them, but instead they led, led to his ruin and the ruin of all Judah. The king took the various articles from the temple of God and broke them into pieces. He shut the doors of the Lord's temple so that no one could worship there, and he set up altars to pagan gods in every corner of Jerusalem. He made pagan shrines in all the towns of Judah for offering sacrifices to other gods. For offering sacrifices to other gods. In this way, he aroused the anger of the Lord and the Lord, or the Lord of his ancestors. The rest of the events of Ahaz's reign and everything he did from beginning to end are recorded in the book of Kings of Judah and Israel. When Ahaz died, he was buried in Jerusalem and was not in the royal cemetery of the kings of Judah. Then his son Hezekiah became the next king. What an incredible thing. Go ahead, leave it, leave it running. Okay, I'm going to read the uh, commentary because it's got packed full of promises for us that we need to... Um, why was Uzziah's punishment so severe? Most asked question. When King Uzziah entered the temple to burn incense, he violated the sanctuary that God had set apart for his own presence, Second Chronicles 26, 16, 18. This violation was no trivial matter. The temple represented God's sacred presence in creation, so all of its rituals needed to reflect its status as sacred and set apart for God alone. This meant that no one could enter it to make offerings except those appointed by the task. The kings of Israel were excluded from the sacred space because they were only anointed for the secular function of government. The king of Israel was not a priest. He was not God's represented in sacred matters, nor 
a God himself. He was a servant of God taken from among his brothers to administer the covenant of the community. See Deuteronomy 17, 18, and 19. God's holy presence allows for no violations, and that includes the temple in Jerusalem. It was a sacred space that he had set apart as his alone. When Uzziah entered the temple and violated his sacred space, his response was typical of arrogant human hearts. He assumed that as king he had the right to enter God's temple, but he did not have the right, he did not have that right, and he was punished with affliction by his skin disease and separation from daily life and the Jewish community. The punishment was appropriate for the arrogance of his sin. He believed that he was set apart for others and that God's law did not apply to him. And his punishment cut him off from the community altogether. Wow. Second Chronicles 26.16, today's study. Second uh, Chronicles 26.16 says... Uh, but when he had become powerful, he also became proud, which led to his downfall. He sinned against the Lord his God by entering the sanctuary of the Lord's temple and purely burning incense on the entire altar. Oh, that was 2716, isn't it? Oh, For much of, of his life, Uzziah did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight, Second Chronicles 26.4. But Uzziah turned away from God, and he was struck with leprosy and remained leprous until his death. He is remembered more for his arrogant act and his punishment than for his great reforms. God requires a lifelong commitment to obey. Brief commitments are not enough. God calls us to persevere in the everyday events. By persevering, you will leave behind a lifetime of obedience that will impact others more than any moment ever could. Any one moment ever could. So do not throw away this confidence trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patience, endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that He has promised. We are not like those who turn away from God to their own destruction. We are the faithful ones whose souls will be saved. Hebrews 10, 35, 36, and 39. If you have placed your trust in God, continue to trust Him for a new season, for each new season that you enter. Amen and amen. I really like the way it says that as long as he sought the Lord thy God, the Lord caused him to prosper. And God gave him success. Amen. Okay, now we go forward to Romans 13, chapter 1 through 14. It says, uh, Everyone must submit to governing authorities, for all authority comes from God, and those in position of authority have been placed there by God. So anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and they will be punished. For the authorities do not strike fear in people who are doing right, but in those who are doing wrong. Would you like to live without fear of the authorities? Do what is right, and they will honor you. The authorities are God's servants sent for your good. But if you are doing wrong, of course you should be afraid, for they have the power to punish you. They are God's servants sent for the very purpose of punishing those who do what is wrong. So you must submit to them, not only to avoid punishment, but also to keep a clear conscience. Pay your taxes, too, for this same reason, for government workers need to be paid. They are serving God in what they do. Give to everyone you owe them. Pay your taxes and government fees to those who collect them. And give respect and honor to those who are in authority. Owe nothing to no one except for your obligation to love one another. If you love your neighbor, you will fulfill the requirement of God's law. For the commandment says, You must not commit adultery. You must not murder. You must not steal. You must not covet. These and other such commandments are summing up in this one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does not wrong to others, so love fulfills the requirements of the law, of God's law. 
God love does not wrong to others so love fulfills the requirements of God's law this is all the more urgent for you to know how late it is time is running out wake up for our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed the night is almost gone the day of salvation will soon be here to remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes and put on the shining armor of right living because we belong to that to the day we must live decent lives for all to see don't participate in the darkness of wild parties and drunkenness or in sexual promiscuity and immoral living or in quarreling and jealousy instead close yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ and don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires Amen. Amen. Pray in the Psalms. Reflect on where God has brought you and where He is taking you. Renew your commitment to continue where He leads. Amen. Psalms 23, 1-6 The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside the peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right path, bringing honor to His name. Even when I walk through the valley, the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. For you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. Hallelujah. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. Thanks be to Jesus. My cup overflows with blessings. Hallelujah. Surely goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Proverbs 20:11. Even children are known by the way they act, whether their conduct is pure, whether it is right. Amen. Um, amen. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the reading of your word, Lord. This is the day that you have made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the reading of your word, Lord God. Today, I believe, is July the 31st reading. And Anna's here. Lord, we ask you to bless our, our readings as we honor you, Lord, with time. Just like Joshua said, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, for then you shall make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. We thank you, Heavenly Father, that you honor your word on the basis of our need, Lord, that we need to prosper and succeed here in life so we can continue to do your word. Lord, we declare that we are world overcomers, because we are born of God and greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world no weapon formed against us will prosper but whatever we do will prosper in the name of the Lord our God supplies all of our needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus thank you Lord thank you for satisfying my mouth with good things and that uh, my youth is renewed like the eagles. Amen. Amen. All right. July 31st. Yay. We did it. Here we go. Second Chronicles 29, chapter 29. Hezekiah was 25 years old when he became the king of Judah, and he reigned in Jerusalem 29 years. His mother was Abiah, the daughter of Zechariah. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight, just as his ancestor David had done. In the very first month, 
of the first year of his reign, Hezekiah reopened the doors of the temple of the Lord and repaired them. He summoned the priests and Levites to meet him at the courtyard east of the temple. He said to them, Listen to me, you Levites. Purify yourself and purify the temple of the Lord, the God of your ancestors. Remove all the defiled things from the sanctuary. Our ancestors were unfaithful and did what was evil in the sight of the Lord our God. They abandoned the Lord and his dwelling place. They turned their backs on him. They also shut the doors to the temple entry room and they snuffed out the lamps. They stopped burning incense and presenting burnt offerings at the sanctuary of the God of Israel. That is why the Lord's anger had fallen upon Judah and Jerusalem. He has made them an object of dread, horror, and ridicule, as you can see with your own eyes. Because of this, our fathers have been killed in battle, and our sons and daughters and wives have been captured. But now I will make a covenant with the Lord, the God of Israel, so that his fierce anger will turn away from us. My sons, do not neglect your duties any longer. The Lord has chosen you to stand in the presence, to minister to him, and to lead the people in worship, and present offerings to him. Then the Levites got right to work. From the clan of Kohat, Mahat, son of Amasiah, and Joel, son of Asariah, from the clan of Merari, Kish, son of Abdi, and Asariah, son of Jahalel. From the clan of Gershon, Joha, son of Sima, and Eden, son of Joash. From the family of El Eliasaphan, Shimri, and Jeel. From the family of Azep, Sechariah and Mataniah, from the family of Haman, Jehiel and Shimei, from the family of Judutan, Shemaiah and Uziel. These men called together their fellow Levites, and they all purified themselves. Then they began to cleanse the temple of the Lord, just as the king had commanded. They were careful to follow all the Lord's instruction in the work. The priests went into the sanctuary of the temple of the Lord and to cleanse it, and they took out the temple courtyard, all the defiled things they found. From there, the Levites carted it all out to the Kindred Valley. They began to work in early spring on the first day of the new year, and in eight days they had reached the entire room of the Lord's temple. Entry room. Entry room. Then they purified the temple of the Lord itself, which took another eight days, so the entire task was completed in sixteen days. Then the Levites went to King Hezekiah and gave him this report. We had cleansed the entire temple of the Lord, the altar of burnt offerings with all its utensils, and the table of the bread of the presence with all its utensils. We have also recovered all the items discarded by King Ahaz, when he was unfaithful and closed the temple. They are now in front of the altar of the Lord, purified and ready for use. Early the next morning, King Hezekiah gathered the city officials and went to the temple of the Lord. They brought seven bulls, seven rams, and seven male lambs as a burnt offerings, together with seven male goats as a sin offering for the kingdom, for the temple, and for Judah. The king commanded the priests who were descendants of Aaron, to sacrifice the animals on the altar of the Lord. So they killed the bulls, and the priests took the blood and sprinkled it on the altar. Next, they killed the rams and sprinkled their blood on the altar. Then finally, they did the same with the male lambs. The male goats for the sin offerings were then brought before the king and the assembly of people who laid their hands on them. The priests then killed the goats as a sin offering and sprinkled their blood on the altar to make atonement for the sins of all Israel. The king has specifically commanded that this burnt offering and sin offering should be made for all Israel. King Hezekiah then stationed the Levites at the temple of the Lord with cymbals, lyres, and harps. 
he obeyed all the commands that the Lord had given to King David through Gad, the king's seer, and the prophet Nathan. The Levites then took their positions around the temple with the instruments of David, and the priests took their positions with the trumpets. Then Hezekiah ordered that the burnt offering be placed on the altar. As the burnt offering was prepared, songs of praise to the Lord were begun, accompanied by the trumpets and other instruments of David. The former kings of Israel, the entire assembly, worshipped the Lord as the singers sang and the trumpeters blew. Unto all the burnt offerings were finished. Then the king and everyone with him bowed down in worship. King Hezekiah and the officials ordered the Levites to praise the Lord with the psalm written by David and by Azap the seer. So they offered joyous praise and bowed down in worship. Then Hezekiah declared, Now that you have consecrated yourself to the Lord, bring your sacrifice and thanksgiving offerings to the temple of the Lord. So the people brought their sacrifice and thanksgiving offerings. And all whose hearts were willing brought burnt offerings too. The people brought to the Lord seventy bulls, a hundred rams, and two hundred male lambs for burnt offerings. They also brought six hundred cattle and three thousand sheep and goats as sacred offerings. But there were too few priests to prepare all the burnt offerings, so their relatives, the Levites, helped them until the work was finished and more priests had been purified. For the Levites had been more conscientious about purifying themselves than the priests had been. There was an abundance of burnt offerings along with unusual liquid offerings, usual liquid offerings, and a great deal of fat from the many peace offerings. So the temple of the Lord was restored to service, and Hezekiah and all the people rejoiced because of what God had done for the people for everything had been accomplished so quickly. Okay, let's read a little history right here on the uh, most asked questions. Is there still hope for those who turn away from God? During the divided monarchy, the usual distinction was between the faithful northern kingdom and the, un and the faithful remnant of Judah. Let me say it again. The usual distinction was between the unfaithful northern kingdom and the faithful remnant of Judah. Now the faithless of King Ahaz in Judah reversed this pattern. When Jeroboam found the northern kingdom, the righteous people went to Judah to escape Jeroboam's wickedness. 2 Chronicles 11, 13, 17. Now Ahaz became like a Jeroboam. He made metal images, worshipped the gods of Damascus, neglected the temple, and spread false worship. His apostasy was so great that more righteousness was found in the north than in Judah. Second Chronicles 28:9:15. The author of the Chronicles wrote to inspire hope that God would restore Judah. He showed that God is always willing to forgive those who repent. Repentance makes restoration and reconciliation possible, as shown by the northern leader's response to the prophets who confronted the victorious northern army, Second Chronicles 28, 8-15. The renewal of Judah under Hezekiah also provided an example of restoration and unification. In the first year of his reign, Hezekiah began to restore the temple and when Hezekiah celebrated the Passover, the glory of Solomon's time was temporarily restored. Second Chronicles 30:26. North and South were brothers even in times of war. North and South could worship together at the place that God had chosen. Second Chronicles 30:18 and 20. Even exiles did not bring an, on an end to the covenant community. Healing was possible at any time that the people chose to seek the Lord. Whether they were returning from with spoils of war or reuniting at the Passover festival, the same hope holds true for the church. Even when threatened with extinction from persecution or corruption, see Revelations 2, 1 through 3, 22, God's kingdom stands on solid rock of his promise, says Matthew 16, 18.
Amen. Would you read the uh, study for today, please? Second Chronicles 29, 16 and 17. Okay. Uh, the Levites and the priests restored the temple in two phases. First, they cleansed the temple. They took out all the defiled things they found and purified the temple of the Lord itself. Second, they used the temple... Second, they used the temple. They made sacrifices, burnt offerings, and as sin offerings. The Levites and priests removed the sin objects and rededicated the temple by using it rightly. If the Levites and priests had simply cleansed the temple, gotten it all ready, but never made any sacrifices, would God have been pleased? Perhaps, but they recovered the temple full purpose by making the appropriate sacrifices it was made for this. The cleansing and the rededication of the temple can instruct us too. Because believers are now God's temple, we should follow a similar pattern in 1 Peter 2.5. First, we should remove the sinful habits that are stored up in our lives, but we can't stop there. That's like leaving the temple clean and unused. The second step is to proclaim the allegiance to God and to do good and to share with those in need. There are the sacrifices that please God, Hebrews 13.6. We weren't made to simply be clean, unused temples. We are made to obey God. Beautiful, beautiful. That um, The first thing that came to my mind was that... Uh, there's so much obedience and discipline and, and uh, worshiping God with them and so much slaughter of animals. You know, our part is, uh, is is to read and be ready when we come across someone in need and share the love of God. Amen. You know, and keep our hopper full of the Word of God day and night. And, you know, pray for the people that are hurting and be ready. Amen. I mean, that's... The best we can do right now. Huh? Yeah. And also to to be skillful, be skillful in in uh, in reading this material, as it's unto the Lord and honoring Him when we read His Word, and you know applying it to our lives. Amen. 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 Okay. Would you like to continue to read on, or? Uh, Romans chapter uh, fourteen, verse one, please, to twenty-three. Uh, it says, accept other believers who are weak in faith. And don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. For instance, one person believes it's all right to eat anything, but another believer with a sensitive conscience will only eat vegetables. Those who feel free to eat anything must not look down on those who don't. And those who don't eat certain food must not condemn those who do. For God has accepted them. Who are you to condemn someone else's servants? Their own master will judge whether they stand or fall, and with the Lord's help they will stand and receive his approval. In the same way, someone or some think one day is more holier than another. While others think every day is alike, you should each be fully convinced that whichever day you choose is acceptable. Those who worship the Lord is a special day do it to honor Him. Those who eat any kind of food do so to honor the Lord, since they gave thanks to, to God before eating, and those who refuse to eat certain foods also want to please the Lord and give thanks to God. For we don't live for ourselves or die for ourselves. If we live, it's to honor the Lord. And if we die, it's to honor the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Christ died and rose again for this very purpose, to be the Lord both of the living and of the dead. So why do you condemn another believer? Why do you look down on another believer? Remember, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For the scriptures say, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow, bend to me, and every tongue will confess and give praise to God. Yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. So let's stop condemning each other. 
Decide instead to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble and fall. I know and am convinced on the authority of the Lord Jesus that no food in and of itself is wrong to eat. But if someone believes it's wrong, then for that person it's wrong. And if another believer is distressed by what you eat, you're not acting in love. If you eat it, you're not acting in love if you eat it. Don't let your eating ruin someone for whom Christ died. Then you will not be criticized for doing something you believe is good. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but living life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. If you serve Christ with this attitude, you will please God, and others will approve of you too. So then let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. Don't tear apart the work of God over what you eat. Remember, all foods are acceptable, but it's wrong to eat something if it makes another person stumble. It's better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else if it might cause another believer to stumble. You may believe there's nothing wrong with what you're doing, but keep it between yourself and God. Blessed are those who don't feel guilty for doing something they have decided is right. But if you have doubts about whether or not you should eat something, you are sinning if you go ahead and do it. For you are not following your convictions. If you do anything that you believe is not right, you are sinning. Wow. Today's study in Romans 14, 1-3, and 13, 15. In the Roman world, after a sacrifice was presented to a god in a pagan temple, only part of it was burned. The remainder was often sold in the market. Thus a Christian might easily, even unknowingly, buy such a meat in the marketplace or eat in the home of a friend. At the Jerusalem Council, Acts 15, the Jewish church in Jerusalem asked the Gentile church in Antioch not to eat meat that had been sacrificed to idols. Paul attended to the Jerusalem council and he accepted the request not because he felt that eating such meat was wrong in itself, but because this practice would deeply offend many Jewish believers. To Paul, unity was more important than freedom. Believers will have different opinions about what is right or wrong. Certainly some issues are central to the faith and worth fighting for, but many are based on individual differences and should not be made into rules. Even in the best possible church, not everyone will agree on a given matter. When that happens, we should follow our conscience no matter what. Paul believed that all believers should act in love so as to maintain unity in the church. That's really interesting because uh, to me, you know, worshiping God on Saturday, I do it because I love God and I do it because I, I'm sensitive to my conscience. I want to, I wanted to seek Him and then I would have a better time singing songs on Sunday. Mm -hmm. I would do both. And really, I would start Friday night. I would start cut off association and start seeking the Lord Friday night, spend all day worshiping and praising Him, and then go into Sunday, which was, you know, that was my view of it. It's just that it was it's fun to study the Word of God. Amen. And get into it with other believers, you know. Yeah. Uh, but I should have kept that to myself instead of trying to tell everybody, you know, you got to go on Saturday and, and start. So I learn. I do it at home now. What'd you get? Just, it's very interesting how they all taught this whole thing is about food. You know, most of it. Uh, I'm fasting today, by the yeah, way. Yeah, just about mm. what you eat and what other people eat. And if you don't like what other people eat, don't belittle them or condemn them. I haven't had burnt goat but, yet. But if it causes them to stumble, if they're so stressed out by seeing you eat that, it says you shouldn't do it. Right? 
Right. So, but I figure if if you're in a room and you eat the chicken legs at the, remember how the SDAs used to do? <laughs> if that was stressing some people out, I, I, I kind of like, you know, I didn't. Put them away? No, I, I guess I wouldn't. If I saw somebody eating pork and I wasn't eating pork, you know, I wouldn't get stressed out about that. It's like the person's doing the best thing that they want. They think it's okay. So, but, so I'm just thinking that it's just amazing how people, but, or maybe they see somebody drinking a glass of wine and they get all, don't condemn. Right. I guess the, my main thing is don't condemn, don't get stressed out about what somebody else is eating. You know, it's, to that person is good, okay, fine. Um, So why do you condemn another believer? That's the point. Yeah, Condemning that's the point. each other. Yes. Whether it's food or the way they dress or what, how, how much they read the Bible, how much they don't have faith. I like that he uh, opened up that up at the very beginning. The very first, accept other believers who are weak in faith and don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. Right, like you know, even hey. even in entertainment, some guys like low riders, with you know, and uh, or hot rods, or or fishing, or even shooting animals, you know. I'm not to condemn them, because as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bend to me, and every tongue will confess and give praise to God. So He is our master judge. We will stand with His help. Amen. So yeah, so that just goes to show that we as Christians shouldn't be getting into arguments with other Christians about what, you know, their faith. Yes. If they don't believe in signs and wonders, I mean, like I was talking to Elizabeth today, but I'm not going to argue with her about it. I'm just going to say, oh, well, you know, that's for us for today. I'm just giving her little nuggets of food, but I'm not going to, like, say, well, she's weird. She doesn't believe, you know, what I mean? she doesn't believe in signs and wonders. Um, so... That's just how, you know, I told her this, how you were, you know, you were brought up in the church, not to see those things. So, um, so it's like, like Mormons believe in Jesus. They just have the wrong doctrine, right? Yeah, they don't, yeah. But so are they Christians? Uh, I, I don't think so. Some of them are not. Most of the ones I met may have a little light inside of them but they don't uh they're more social yeah, people it's a, the church of the latter day saints right remember when we saw that movie with the missionaries yeah yeah i can't say they're there because you know they don't worship jesus like we do sing songs to him they they put other people and other doctrines yeah. in front of the bible yeah they got their own bible yeah so then that that says and they're like the antichrist you know you ask yeah. me so, so then that means, like, remember we were reading about those who teach the false doctrine, what's going to happen? You know, Paul says, let them be accursed if you're taking this gospel and preaching something else, your man-made views. But this is the most amazing, this is the, the, the scripture right here. It says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, right. okay, mm-hmm. but living a life of goodness. Okay, that we're loved by the Father in heaven. And the outcome is peace. We got our bills paid mm-hmm. and joy. We're healthy. Amen. And the Holy Spirit, you know, we're just in love in God's design. Amen. It's not about fretting about who's going to eat what. Yeah. You know, the small stuff or, or how or, you've been baptized. Or which. You know, right. it's, it's just getting people excited about the kingdom of God mm-hmm. through Jesus. Living a, yeah. a life of goodness. We're living a life of goodness. All our bills are paid. We have all the everything we need. Right. We have peace. We have joy. In the Holy Ghost. If we didn't have that peace and joy, we would be fretting. We wouldn't have time to read do the reading. Right. God has given us that He's that royalty us. honor yeah. to yes. be here. He's yeah. honored us because we right. honored Him, and yeah. we take advantage of it. <laughs> yeah. Amen. Would you like to read the Psalms, or will you? I, I will read the Psalm. Babe. 
Um, Psalm 24, 1 to 10. Yay, this is the song where it says, Open up the gates and let the King of Glory enter. Hallelujah. Sorry. Praise the Lord. Lord yeah. Go for it, girl. Uh, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Woo! Your daddy. Okay. The world and all its people belong to him. Amen. For he laid the earth's foundations on the seas and built it on the ocean depths. Who may climb on the, the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? Only those whose hands and hearts are pure, who do not worship idols and never tell lies. They will receive the Lord's blessings and have a right relationship with God their Savior. Such people may seek you and worship in your presence, O God of Jacob. Open up ancient gates, open up ancient doors, and let the King of glory enter. Who is the King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord invincible in battle. Open up the ancient gates, open up the ancient doors, and let the King of glory enter. Who is the King of glory? The Lord of heaven's army. He is the King of glory. Hallelujah. It feels good saying that. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Now always remember when we memorized that, we were walking around saying that, remember? Open up, we wake up, open up the gates and let the King of glory enter. I noticed that right here it has the King capitalized, you know, so we're, we're talking, uh -huh. the King of glory is like Jesus enter into your glory, uh -huh. like a prophecy, yes. uh -huh. you know, uh -huh. because yes. it was about a thousand years before Jesus, uh -huh. so when they would sing, yeah. chant, open up ancient gates, open up ancient doors, and let the King of Glory enter. So Jesus is coming into His ascension, into His glory. Yeah. Who is the King of Glory? And this, I love this. The Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord invisible in battle. Open up ancient gates. Open up ancient doors, and let the King of Glory enter. Yeah. Who is the King of Glory? The Lord, Lord. of Heaven's armies, Jesus. He is the King of Glory. Amen. That's uh, awesome. And it's it's funny. We just read Hezekiah how they tore the the ancient doors back open, mm -hmm. and they they went in to worship the Lord in the temple mm -hmm. again. And Proverbs twenty twelve says, "Ears to hear and eyes to see, both are gift from the Lord." Amen. Ears to hear and eyes to see. Thank you, Lord, for our ears and our gifts. eyes. Gifts. And we pray that the old doors and gates long shut would open up to receive Jesus and people's doors and gates. Pray that people who have not heard of God's great love will know who the King of Glory is. Amen. Amen. Very good. That was a nice reading. That's a good reading. Boy, that Romans really, I mean, it's very 